Hey, hey, what a beautiful day. This is Calvin Rosser from the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. You can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. And this is Steph Smith, and you can find me at Steph Smith IO on Twitter. So work is a big part of all of our lives, and today we're going to talk about how to think about making different decisions in your career, including when and how to make moves. So I love this topic because we all have different priorities in our lives, but I think one universal thing is how important our careers are. Our careers take up such a big portion of our lives of each day that we work. And I think I've really struggled in the past to make career decisions. I often spend a long time thinking about them. I don't tend to make very risky career decisions, but something that you've been able to do is make decisions that maybe some other people might think are risky, but you've done that repeatedly throughout your career and everything has always turned out okay, if not better for you in the end. So I'm curious to know how you've thought about making some of the more bold or risky career decisions in your life. Sure. So I definitely don't know if you should follow my playbook. I'm making up as I go, but just for some quick context, I've been an investment banker. I've been a growth marketer. I've been a startup operator. I've been a writer and I've tried a number of other things. And so in my career, I've made a lot of moves and typically it's one to two years that I'll stay at a job or do something. And just to walk through some quick thinking, my first job out of college, my goal was to make money and to be financially secure. So I took a job as an investment banker on Wall Street and that was awesome. I thought it was cool. It kind of stroked my ego. I was walking around a suit in New York City. It was fun. But ultimately the job ended up being a little bit miserable for me. It was 15 hours a day in a cubicle. And after about six months of that and some relative financial stability, I started saying there has to be more to my career than this. Like I looked at the people around me and I'm like, I don't want to be these people and there's nothing wrong with them, but it just didn't resonate with me. So I started looking for something else. And to be honest, I had no idea what I was going to do. I ended up landing at a, a startup and it was a fully remote startup. I took on a growth marketing position and also started traveling the world and went from there. So I guess I want to stop there and say that first career move was motivated by a desire to get more meaning out of my career. But at least the first thing I had to do was get money out of my career. I think there's just many different aspects to what you can get out of a job. And it's important to understand what you want out of a job and how that might change for you over time. Yeah, I totally agree. I think most of the time when we're thinking about a job, we only really consider a couple different things, often the salary that you get out of that job, and then also maybe your title or specifically what you're working on. But I know you've written about this recently, this idea that there's actually much more than those just two things. Yeah, a framework I like to use, it's called the five salaries, but there's a financial salary. So this is your annual salary, your bonuses, equity. There's a psychological salary, which is the internal and external meaning you get from your work. There's a social salary. So this is like your prestige, your job title, the identity capital you get from your job. There's an educational salary, which are the skills, relationships, and other learnings that you get. And then I think this other one is pretty cool, a freedom salary, which is your ability to work on your own terms. And at least I know for me, I've prioritized different things at different points in my life and also needed different things. And as I think about career moves, I often like to assess what is this job giving me for each of these different salaries and what do I want out of my life? And that helps inform the next move for me. I really like that framework because I think what's important is there's no objectively correct or better job out there. There's a better job for you or for me or for someone else. And that's also a function, as you mentioned, of time, right? So at certain parts of my life, a job may be better for me versus later another job may be better for me. And one of the things that I've seen both of us do throughout our careers is pivot between many different jobs early on. And I think at times when you're making those decisions, you can be really unsure of them because you're on this trajectory and you're veering off of that for something new. But one of the frameworks that has really kept me uh, okay with, with some of these decisions is this explore and exploit framework. Have you heard of it? 
Yeah, I think it's a computer science problem. I know it as the secretary problem. Okay, yeah. So exactly. I heard of it originally from a book called Algorithms to Live By, excellent book if people are interested in it. But the premise of it is this idea where within our lives, we always have this conundrum of, do I focus on things that I know I love and that benefit me, or do I go look for something better? And this applies to relationships, or if you're in a city, do I go to the same restaurant we always go to, or do I go find a better one? And at least if you were to solve this problem with computer science or a formula, the answer would be 37%, which is for the first 37% of anything, you should go and explore and you should go experience new things and not double down on anything during that period. And then after that 37%, you go and you double down on anything that was just as good or better than what you encountered during that first period. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because when you think about careers, let's say we're 18 till our adult career ends when we're 65. That's over 40 years of time. If you were to apply this formula, you should be spending at least a decade of your life exploring the hell out of what you can accomplish in your career. Different avenues, different types of roles, different industries to see what you like, to see what you really want to double down on. It's basically if you wanted to figure out where should I live, you should go live in 10 different cities and then you'll learn a lot more about where you want to live. Maybe you go to a mountain town, a beach town or a true city like New York City. Or if you're in a relationship, you should go date 15 to 20 people or something, and then see what qualities you like. And then within a job, you should change industries or roles, et cetera. That's what you're talking about. Exactly. One thing that's clear looking back is that I personally have benefited a lot from making career moves. And that's because I wasn't born with a calling or a passion. And I think this is one of the things like we always ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think that's such a stupid question because except for the 1% of people who like know they want to be a musician or know that they want to be a lawyer or whatever it may be. Most of us are just guessing in the dark and we get our first job mostly because it's like, what job is going to take me in my first job? And that's how you get the decision-making framework. And then once you're in that job, I think a lot of people get locked into the opportunities that exist from that. When I was in banking, the jobs I was thinking about doing, it was either I go to a hedge fund, I go to private equity, that was like the most prestigious thing, or maybe I could get into a venture capital fund. I ended up going into startups, but admittedly, like I pursued those other routes first. And then one day woke up and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't even want to be in finance. Like I need to go figure something else out. And I had no idea what that would be. So I just took a shot in the dark. I ended up in startups that just so happened to work out for me and have made moves from there. But I think you have to have a lot of courage to go explore and it's just super easy to get anchored on whatever you're in. So I don't want to discount that because it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And I love your point about how if you were to be in a particular role and then look ahead and think, if I continue along this path, this is where I'll I'll get to. I did the same thing when I was in consulting. I was like, there's a pretty clear path here if I continue it. And in five, 10 years, I'll be successful to some degree. But I was like, I don't want that. And so sometimes it does take just looking a little further ahead and just asking, is that the reality that I want to put myself in? And in order to find something perhaps better for you, you do have to maybe start a little quote unquote lower on the ladder or just take a risk that you don't know will pan out. But I did the same thing when I was at a company called TopTal before this, I was leading a team and I had to basically look at okay, do I want to continue leading this team and move my way at this company or another tech company? Or do I want to start completely new? And I had to do that. I had to turn into an individual contributor. As just a writer at the bottom of the ladder, it was a smaller startup. So maybe you had some more runway, but you went from like a team lead to 
someone who was literally just like writing a newsletter every week. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there was like an objective drop, at, at least in terms of your responsibility and maybe even the prestige as you told it to other people. And this is, I don't know if you felt this way, but one thing I've always felt with moves, I've been able to break free from this constraint, but it's hard to go from oh, hey, I'm this like director level role to, yeah, now I'm trying to write a book. That's a hard thing to to say to people. When I tell my friends, they're like, oh, you're trying to write a book? And it's a bit embarrassing and takes courage and saying, okay, maybe people don't see my vision. Maybe I'm making the wrong choice, but this feels right to me. For sure. And part of that, you mentioned when I was leaving my role, I went from being leading a team of 20 to being this like writer, individual contributor and at a company that a lot of people didn't know. One underrated aspect of that is that even at that time, I was unsure. It's not like I had this clear path ahead and no one else could see it. Like I truly was unsure about that move myself. And part of that was losing that part of my identity where I'm leading a team and people know me for X and now they no longer understand what I'm doing. But one framework that I've really resonated in the career changes that I've made is Jeff Bezos's regret minimization. It's pretty straightforward. It's how, when you're making a decision, can you... can you minimize the regret? So not necessarily minimize the potential loss or something like that, but minimize the regret that you will feel if you were to choose one path or the other. I always and in think that- of the, I just want to clarify. I think it's like a long-term decision-making framework. I always think of it as what are you going to regret on your deathbed? Because you could easily regret something in the short term that in the long term is like actually really meaningful, but it's more of like, how do I zap myself into the long term of, I look back at my life. Was I happy with my decisions? That's how I always think about that framework. Exactly. And one part of that that I think is really interesting is you mentioned this idea of short-term thinking, right? So when we're in the short-term thinking mode, it takes a lot of inertia to get out of whatever we're currently in. And there's this quote from Essentialism from Greg McEwen that says, one leader I worked with admitted to staying at a company for five years too long. Why? Because he was so busy in the company that he didn't take the time to decide whether he should even be there. And so it's this idea, as you mentioned, of in 10 years on your deathbed, what are you going to regret not 10 doing? 10 years on my deathbed. Longer than that. <laughs> Those are two different options. 10 years, 20 years on your deathbed, whenever that is, what are you going to regret not pursuing? And so even asking some of those questions is a worthwhile exercise. Yeah, for sure. So I always think of it as I got lucky and both unlucky with this. But one of the things that really helped shape my perspective and it it leaked into my career is I had people die early in my life. So I had a mentor who died suddenly. And then my mom also committed suicide. And honestly, just like seeing people taken from the world earlier than you expected them to transform my understanding of like how fragile life is. And I've applied that to my career as well. I'm like, you don't want to quit just because you're having a bad day. But if you're having a number of bad months and you're actually trying things to make it better and it's not getting better, it's always become so clear to me that you should just make a move to the extent that you can, especially if you're young and flexible, because Once you have a family, once you're older, once you're less mobile, all these things, it becomes harder to do these things. So I always think it makes sense to front load that work. And it always works out some way in the end. Steve Jobs has this awesome line, which is you can't connect the dots forward, but you can connect them looking back. And that's been so true. Like I can go draw a narrative of where I started and where I am today. I could have never predicted where I am today. I don't even know that it's the best path for me. It's one of a series of potential paths that could be interesting. But something that's helped me here is the regret minimization thing, like act with urgency if you're not really feeling like something is great. But another thing is just optimizing for learning and contribution. The learning piece I think is really interesting because if you feel like you're constantly 
constantly learning, then at least you're engaged and you're going to move if, if you start to stagnate. And then for me, the contribution helping other people is just a piece of what I want out of my career. And if that piece is missing, then I need to layer that on as well. But I've optimized towards those two things. And that has then brought the different roles, the maybe some more money at different points or the more interesting opportunities. And it's those people who stay in place and don't really question things and get caught up in, oh, I don't want to give up this, that end up stuck in a career for 10 years and then wake up and happy. And that's actually my biggest fear and something I want to stop for myself and my friends, which is I hate the idea of waking up when you're 50 and having a midlife crisis or whatever and being like, how did I spend the last 20 years? I, that still is likely to happen to me with my like existential predilections. But at the same time, I want to try to, along the way, course correct so that I don't end up in that state where it's just objectively harder to change things. Although I think you can reinvent yourself then too. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people think about risks like I'm going to be poor, I'm going to be on the streets, which obviously can happen, but they're less likely than you think if you are relatively stable. And really the, the biggest risk is this idea of complacency. And we talked already about a couple questions you can ask yourself. Another question I like is, again, whether it's a career or a partner or a specific opportunity, it's the question of what would I do to acquire this today? So if I didn't have this, what effort would I put in to actually acquire this job? How hard would I try in this interview process? How much would I try to pursue this relationship? And asking some of those questions helps uncover like, oh, this is actually something I really enjoy. I really appreciate. And I would work really hard to get this again. Or sometimes the answer is, yeah, I wouldn't really try at all. And I like, just hell have no, this. I'd pay not to have this job. <laughs> I think yeah. some people end up in that position. By the way, one thing I, I want to double down on and, and talk about is when you transition from that team lead role to your role at trends into an individual contributor, like you've had an awesome run since then. And so many cool opportunities has have come from that, that I don't think you could have predicted. And they all happen pretty fast. Like, I think you have a pretty badass story there. Why don't you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. So when I left TopTal, I was leading a team and then I switched to join a company called The Hustle, which was around 30 people. And I was starting on a product called Trends. And I was the first writer for Trends, or actually I should say I was the second. There was two of us. And Trends was just starting out. So I had this amazing open clean slate to start creating something. And one of the things that's underrated here is when you're complacent in a job, and I found myself admittedly doing this in, in the role at TopTal, I was working hard, but not that hard because I didn't have to. And when I was sprung into this role where I was writing for trends, I had to work so much harder. I was an individual contributor again. I had you know lost a small part of my identity when I switched roles. You lost and, your reputation too, in some ways. Exactly. But one of the parts of when you're put into this, this new role where you have to almost reprove yourself, I think that's such an awesome opportunity for us to to do in our lives is to continuously reinvent ourselves. And I had to do that. I had to be like, okay, I don't really think I'm a writer, but here we go. Let's do this. Let's create this product. And that almost reinvigorated, not just within that role, but overall my, my creativity and my ambition to just create things online. And so that's what ended up happening. And now I have quote unquote moved my way up and I lead the team now, but I could have never predicted that when I joined trends, when I joined trends, I, all I knew was this was a new product and it was my job to go create it. And you have what a much bigger following. Now you have probably a much better grasp on writing. You have a book that's generating good passive income for you. I feel like all of those things, they just wouldn't have played out the same way. Yeah. So I think this is what I was just speaking to, which is when you are forced into a new position, it's uncomfortable and you have to learn a lot. But in doing that, I became 
a better creator. I, I actually think that even though I would have had perhaps more time in my old world to go create things online, I became a better creator through just the sheer act of having to create a lot of stuff, right? On trends, like I, I had to pump out that email every single week. I had to learn to do a new form of research that not many people were doing. I had to go and create a product. Like Trends was a product that I went and, and built up. And that was such a great learning experience that I absolutely never would have gotten if I stayed in my comfort zone of just continuing to lead this team that I already knew how to do. Yeah, that's super cool. So you just learned a ton of things. You ended up on a new path and it worked out in all kinds of cool ways. And probably will those things just will compound in the future. But I love this idea of like when you change jobs, you have your uh, you have an opportunity to like reinvent yourself. You get to build your reputation again. Maybe you get to break the shackles of like old perceptions that people had of you or you get to show yourself in a new light. I just think that alone is like really cool and you get to push yourself. I want to talk a little bit about some of the tactical things that go into quitting a job and even some of the psychological things as well, or not just quitting a job, but moving careers. I think one of the first things we should talk about there is the idea that applying to new jobs absolutely sucks. No matter how many interviews you've led or been a part of, finding a new role, doing an interview process, all of that is a terrible experience most it's of the time. Horrible. Exactly. So I think one of the things that I was able to do in this recent transition, which I didn't do in any of the prior, is actually almost look for jobs without actually looking for jobs. And what I mean by that is I'd spent several years by that point working on my own things, developing my own brand, just playing around with things that I was curious about such that when it was actually time to look for a new role, I already had put things out there. I had already interacted with a lot of people. I had built up my expertise in a way that I hadn't before such that when I was actually looking for a new role, I wasn't starting from a clean slate. So it sounds like your latest job search was just made easier because you had just done things over time and explored your interests and gotten some inbound leads like that. I think that's really cool too, because you probably ended up learning a little bit more of what you wanted out of your the next step in your career. And this reminds me of something that I always recommend to people who are stuck in trying to get into a new industry. Go write down five industries or job titles or whatever that you're interested in, and then go on LinkedIn or search your networks or whatever you have to do, depending on what situation you're in, and talk to two people who are in those industries or in those positions and literally just ask them like, hey, do you like your job or what don't you like about your job? What do you do on a daily basis? And if you spend like the five hours that it takes to do that, not only will people be happy to talk to you, but you'll be more informed and you'll know a little bit more about what an actual career path looks like. I swear I've talked to people who want to be lawyers and doctors who have literally never talked to lawyers and doctors about what it's like to be in that profession. And those cases I think are particularly ludicrous because there's so much money that goes into your schooling and so much time. And there's, it's so much harder to reinvent yourself. And I think you can just solve this a little bit um, easier by going and talking to people and get out of your head. So many people try to solve this problem in their head. And I know I'm getting real excited about this, but it's because <laughs> I I've just seen time and time again, and I've done that. I don't recommend what I've done which has changed jobs a bunch of times. There's disadvantages to that. But it's that you just go out there and you explore and you talk to people and you just get a more informed picture instead of trying to map it all out in your head about what you have to do for the next step because you honestly can't predict it. And it's 80% action, 20% thought or something like this. And I think you'll move faster in at least some direction and then be able to connect those dots. 
I couldn't agree more. I have so many friends who are like, oh, I want to be a designer or a developer or whatever. And I'm like, okay, great. Just go do that thing. Go toy around with it. Learn that skill. Build your own projects, not for money, but just to learn that skill and really figure out if you enjoy that thing. And if you go and build things online, what you're doing is basically putting out a signal and you're saying, hey, everyone, I enjoy this thing. I'm good at this thing. Here's what I can create. And you're basically almost putting out a resume into the world without literally sending a resume about what you can do and what your passions are. And to your point, also checking if those are really things that you want to pursue yourself. So I'd encourage people to start doing some of that, to just testing out things in their life that they think they want to pursue instead of just saying, I'd like to do this one day, actually go start doing that. But one thing that I think a lot of people face when they're trying to switch jobs is, of course, the financial salary. And something that I've struggled with and I think a lot of other people struggle with is they may be in a role and they're ready to leave, but they're unsure if they can find another role. And so they just stay in that existing role for a long time, or they really struggle to switch from one role that pays a lot and then maybe one that pays less. And I know this is something that you've actually done several times throughout your career. You've taken breaks, you've jumped between different roles that have, you know, potentially paid you less relative to the prior one. How have you gotten past that mental block of that financial aspect of your salary? Yeah. So what's tricky is everyone is in a different financial situation. If you don't have much money, your constraints are different than if you have a bunch of money. But I've seen lots of people with plenty of runway who are still paralyzed by fear. I think it goes back to what you're optimizing for. So I'm actually pretty conservative with my finances. So most of the jobs I've quit, I've quit before I had another job, which is going against my grandpa's sage advice that you should never quit a job before you have another one. But in part, that's because of what I optimize for. And the things that I'll, I'll go through my latest career move. I was at a venture studio and I was in this pretty cool role where I just get to help start startups and make them profitable. And I had a lot of diversity in my work and it was actually like an awesome company. I think it's a rocket ship. There was a lot of prestige to the job, at least when I told other people about it, or I felt that way. And I was learning a ton of things. Like it hit a lot of those salaries that I talked about, the financial ones, the social ones, the educational ones. But the ones that it didn't hit for me, which actually became really important for me, were the psychological salary, which is that internal and external meaning you get from your career. I have just felt this like longing that I want to write a book, even though I know it's a stupidly unprofitable adventure, but I just like really wanted to do it. And I had enough of a financial cushion where I felt like I could. And the other one was the freedom salary. I was actually pretty burnt out from just the COVID period and just working, not necessarily a nine to five, but working 50 weeks a year, X number of hours per week. And I wanted to create some more space and flexibility in my life so that I could start thinking thinking about like, how do I want to spend the next 10, 20 years of my career? So my latest move actually, I think is objectively dumb financially, and probably even from a prestige or career development in terms of moving up the startup ladder that I was on. But I started optimizing for these like psychological and freedom things that for me were important. And even like silly stuff, like I'm investing in my sleep now and I'm trying to get healthier and I'm trying to reprogram myself so that I can make it in the next sprint of life, whatever I choose to do and to really make sure that I'm doing the right things. That equation has looked different with each of the moves I've made. But what I will say is don't discount what you need from your finances, but also don't let that tail wag you the dog and stop that from making moves if you are in a position where you could take some time off because that time off gives you the space and the clarity to go play to think to try new things and sometimes that can actually be the right move and as i mentioned you can't figure it out looking forward so sometimes just jump into the water and see where you go that's how i've approached it yeah i've personally learned a lot from you in this way because 
I actually, from graduating college, have not taken a break at any point. One of the things I've learned from you is, of course, that everyone has their own situation. And if you have kids, maybe this doesn't apply to you. Or there's different reasons why your worst case may be worse than perhaps my worst case or your worst case. But for a lot of people, the worst case scenario is that they quit their job and maybe they do run out of what runway. But the worst case then is that they get a job again. <laughs> and maybe it's a slightly worse job or maybe it's not. They don't have quite the freedom that they had today. But their worst case isn't actually that bad. And the way that I've put it more recently is just the upside in many cases is unlimited. And the downside is really just returning to your current reality. And of course, again, if you have kids, then maybe you return to your current reality a lot quicker, or maybe you don't have the ability to take that risk. But I do think for some people, we really focus on this worst case scenario. Yeah, admittedly, it's hard. Like in my head, almost every day, I'm like, I'm going to be homeless. And objectively, it's not true, but like my mind still goes there. So I think it's just actually even hard to break free from that. But it's more about like how I respond to that catastrophizing that happens in my mind. I have this like really bad habit. Maybe sometimes it saves me, but I always go down the the deepest kind of darkest paths of how something can play out. And it's not like I'm like, oh, it's just going to work out. I'm actually not very optimistic in that way. But I think what's interesting is I always feel like I'm trying to move from where I feel like I'm moving up like a linear curve to something more exponential. And I have the benefit of right now I don't have kids. Right now my cost of living is low, which is another thing is just like, if you want to have more flexibility in your career, keep like a low cost of living if you can and things like this, that can actually always help you too. That's something that I've benefited from as well. Like I don't have a big mortgage payment to pay. That would change my equation dramatically. When I have kids, my decision-making will be certainly a lot selfish. And that's where you have to identify where you're at in, in the ladder. But at the end of the day, it's all about moving from these curves. And I always think it's nice to move up that exponential curve in whatever it is that you're prioritizing. By the way, I think it's totally fair, fair to just clock into a job and to get paid and then to go enjoy your life outside of that. Like so many people uh, in our space are always talking about, here's how you build a big company or here how, how you become the best at this. Honestly, like I think it's okay to not want those things and to prioritize other things like hanging out with your friends and just living a life that you deem worthy. And so if that's your priority, then maybe your career equation just looks a lot different than someone who's really trying to move up the, the social climbing like career ladder. Totally. And I think this brings us back to what you brought up at the beginning of this episode, which is the idea that I think careers are a lot less straightforward than just a salary and a title. When you're looking for a career, you really should lay out all the different things that you're looking for in your life and to see how much that matches up with what a particular job may offer you. Yeah. I honestly think we should just cancel the word career because I, I think the career word gets you trapped into I am something. But I, I just love this idea that you can always reinvent yourself and you can always change your priorities regardless of your circumstances. And if you stop thinking about it as a career and rather, hey, I'm spending my time to a reasonable percentage doing things that I enjoy or learning or making sure that I hit the other qualities that I like in my life, like that can break free from this constraint of, oh yeah, I'm a banker, so I need to continue on this path. Oh, I'm a lawyer, so I can't actually go start a company or whatever. And just stop tying your identity so much to your career, which to me is one of the big fallacies of the Western world is we're so career obsessed. I bet you go to other places, I think we've seen this, and careers are just not as big of a part of people's identities. And that's actually just another way of living too. Yeah, I think that really stems from when you're a young age, when people ask, 
what do you want to become? And you're like an astronaut or a teacher or something. And you don't really teach kids at a young age to be like, what do you enjoy? What do you want to do today? What do you want to learn today? And then once you evolve into an adult, that's still the frame that you take, right? Like I am X or I have become X. And I think what's really empowering is to realize that, of course, careers are important. Making money is important. Learning is important. Contributing to society is important. But at the end of the day, what you choose to do in your role is really just dependent on what you enjoy, what you need in your life. And I think there's just a lot more flexibility to play around with that and to be a little more risky with that. Of course, within reason. For sure. I think I'll end on a story. There was, uh, when I was at the investment bank, I, I quit after one year. And I remember talking to the the big wig head of my group. He's been in the industry for decades or whatever. And I told him I was leaving and he's, you're making a massive mistake. And I just sat there and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, maybe I am. I don't know. But he genuinely thought he was being helpful. And, and he probably was in some ways, if I wanted to send up that ladder, like, sure, it would have been harder to go back. But at the end of the day, like I had thought it through. And so I could sit in front of this person who had a lot more wisdom than me and a lot more experience in different ways. And I was just like, honestly, man, like you're wrong for what I want. And so I went out and I did other things. And I think I ended up on a better path otherwise. But don't fall into the trap of looking for validation from others, because often when you're making the moves that are important for you, other people may actually stop you from doing that in different ways by their judgment or thoughts about what your life should be. And I think you should be a little more free spirited about that and just go after what you want to go after. And not just what they think your life should be, but sometimes they're well-intentioned, but just their priorities are different than yours. So I had a similar experience with during my first job, I was there for around 10 months. And as I was planning to leave it, I told my mom and uh, the job I had, the boss actually tried to convince me to stay. And she said, no, 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 Steph, like you should stay. You never, it's so hard to find a boss that respects you, that invests in you. And she's, do not lose this. And I remember thinking, wow, maybe this is true because this was my first full-time boss. And I was like, wow, do I really want to lose this? And really that was from her experience experience where she had worked at a company for 20 years. I don't think she was maybe invested in the way that she would have hoped. The reason I'm telling this story is just the idea that sometimes your priorities or your experiences aren't the same as other people's. But really, I think the best advice is just to lay out what you're looking for in life in those different aspects of, of your salary and map out what gives you the best return on that. You mentioned the word formula. What formula gives you the best result? Yeah, I think that's spot on. But you have to define that formula. And that's the important piece. Don't let that be defined by your parents or other people or anything like that to the extent that you can. And just know that it's often just navigating the muddy waters. Like right now, I don't know if I sounded confident about my career moves. I certainly was not for most of them. I just knew that it was right for me and I wasn't sure how it would work out. And even in this latest one, I have no idea what's up next. And I kind of like it that way. Some people want maybe a little bit more certainty, but at least I'm excited about my day to day and, and exploring different things and just trying to figure out the next kind of big thing for me to bite into. Shall we end it there? Yeah, I think we covered a lot. And that was episode seven. So we are one week into our podcast experiment. How's it been so far for you? I think it's actually getting a little tougher. So one of the episodes that I think we should do upcoming is this idea where when you first start something, no one's listening. You're not even really putting much effort or energy into it. It's really seamless. But as soon as something becomes something, and of course, this isn't anything, we don't really have anyone listening. But even now that this has become a habit and something that we've invested in, there's just this pressure that's building. And I know I'm putting this on myself, but I think that's an interesting concept that we should talk about in a future episode. 
we're only a weekend. What it, what kind of pressure is building? <laughs> I don't know. I, I found I found the same thing with other things I've created online before. But when something first starts, there's absolutely no pressure. And then as you start to build it, yeah, just pressure starts to come from seemingly nowhere. I will say my grandparents are now listening to the show and I'm starting to worry about the number of F-bombs and other things I'm dropping in here. I got to be careful about what I'm saying, but otherwise I, I'm, I'm having a ton of fun and I think this is really cool. It's a little harder than I thought. It's taking more time than I thought. It's definitely going to take a lot of time to get better here, but I like what we're doing. I love this 30 day challenge and it's like the right level of, at least for me, pushing me to just try this podcasting format and see if I can express some ideas in a new way. Yeah, I like the challenge for sure. I think it's really shown me that podcasting is difficult. And like other skills we've talked about, it takes time and it takes effort to actually get better at it. Let's keep going. Woohoo! Until next time, if you like this episode, definitely leave us a review and make sure to only say good things. And to play us out. <laughs> to play us out. This is the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. Just kidding. This is Calvin. We'll see you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>